Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who people in 10,000 years' time will still be reading and listening to. If you're listening to in 10,000 years' time, Hello. From the past, do you understand my language? It's Richard Herring. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hello, hello. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Uh, though I was playing with my kids' LOL dolls uh, today. It's pretty cool, right? They call it Rahalastapa. Uh, <laughs> And I call them lol dolls, and that annoys my kids. <laughs> They're lol dolls. Um, no, you know, not much is going on at the moment because uh, all that's happening is I'm writing uh, my uh, Radio 4 sitcom, Relativity, Series 4, should be out in 2022, uh, and researching uh, Rahalastapa. Rahalastapa. So, you know, there's not much going on. But I notice that. Um, they're doing a new Willy Wonka film. Have you seen this? They're doing, a, they're doing the origin story 
of Willy Wonka. Now, it should be good. Uh, Paul King's directing it and uh, Simon Farnaby's writing it, so that's going to be good. But, you know, I want to see... You know, they should do this for everyone. I would like to see the journey that Charlie Bucket's sperm takes to get... <laughs> to get to the... I think that genuinely could be quite a good kids' film, because they do... Or they do... Even if it's not Charlie Bucket's sperm, but it'd be better if it is Charlie Bucket's sperm, because you can then call the film Bucket Fanny. But uh, it's... Um, <laughs> But, you know, I think they, they do all these things about death, now of their soul and, and feelings and stuff. I think they, they, you could do a good sort of adventure of the sperm's travel journey, couldn't you? That'd be good little cartoon sperm. I think it'd be good. It'd be like sort of Finding Nemo. I think you should I think it could have... Squid Games. Squid Games. It, is, it could be a little like Squid Games. Thank you, David, for you. Um... Or a version of Charlie the Chocolate Factory where Charlie becomes aware of the fact that it's sort of weird that all the kids who've been chosen apart from him are sort of such caricatures of evil and realises that it's uh, an artifice like the Truman Show and has to try and escape from... I think that'd be quite good. If you're going to try and reinvent stuff, just, you know, I've got lots of ideas. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for everyone who's uh, streaming at home. You, if you're listening to this podcast, you will still be able to um, catch up on the videos. We're not going to put them on YouTube this time, so head to richchain.com and you can find, you can watch and see what's going on. You can see my fancy boots. Um, <laughs> and marvel how tall I am. It's beautiful. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. But we're going to crack on. Do buy my books, The Problem With Men, and uh, what's the other one called? Would You Rather, that's it. I've written so, and I've got so many books, it's hard to remember what they're all called. They'll be reading Would You Rather in probably six, six months' time. <laughs> I don't think that was going to stand the test of time, but you never know. You never know. You never know. There's only one way to find out, and that is to buy it. Anyway, let's crack on, because uh, we went on for a long time last week. Went on so long last week, it was almost this week, wasn't it? <laughs> but here we are in this week, it happened anyway. Will you please welcome now my guest? He is probably best known for appearing as Magolic E on Top Coppers. I wonder if they're going to make another series of that. I wonder if there's another series of Top Coppers in the pipeline. It's Phil Wang, ladies and gentlemen. It's Phil Wang. <laughs> Phil Wang. Phil Wang, is that your little? Is that your glasses Hi. case on? It can't be. There's a glasses case on that chair. No, this must, must be no. Dave Gorman's. Oh gosh, are they glasses? Where well, he's gone, he's gone. He's he's out of here. Is there anything well, the in there? Specs in it. Great. So good news is they're still here. Bad news is he's not going to be able to find his way back. <laughs> yeah, I can read. Those are good. I'll keep those. <laughs> I got Richard E. Grant's perfume, didn't I? He left his on the seat. It's, good. it's a good little scam, this seat. <laughs> That's two things I've got off this seat in uh, 260 episodes of this fucking shit. Uh, welcome. <laughs> nice pair of glasses. Uh, hello, Phil. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Richard. Doing well? Doing well. Good. <laughs> I think I'm doing all right. I think you are doing very well. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing okay, man. I'm cool. just running around. I've... Yeah, I've just moved house, so I'm mainly just, like, going to John Lewis. Yeah? Yeah. Have you I bought don't... or are you uh, up, renting up? Um, I, uh, John Lewis. Yeah. I, I still... Yeah. I, just, I just buy the bits I like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're buying furniture, are you buying furniture or are you buying stuff for your kitchen? Well, uh, and just linens and sheets and okay, stuff. Yeah. And today I had to go back because there was gunk on a sheet I bought. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, from John, it was John Lewis gunk. I mean, high quality gunk, yeah. but still gunk. <laughs> and um, I. Uh, and because uh, the, the funny thing about John Lewis is I, he has this legend as, oh, they, they're custom. They're so good. They bend over backwards to correct any. So, they perform harakiri if there's anything wrong with one. <laughs> like, you will gain one life of a John Lewis employee. And, and so I was like, well, so when I saw this smudge, I was like, oh, great. I'll call up. They'll send me another in, in, in their humiliation. Yeah. And I'll keep this one with a smudge and I'll just wash it. Yeah. Because that's all that is really required. <laughs> and then I'll have two sheets. But they emailed and they, they called and they said, you're going to have to go into the shop where you bought it. They don't give a fuck anymore. They don't give and, a fuck. And so I went in today to the, to the counter with this, and I put, brought out this badly repackaged fitted sheet. Because I'm like, this is messed up. This is John Lewis. I'm not going to um, pack it nicely like I'm that little bitch. I'm going um, <laughs> to... I want to make a statement. And I brought, it, took it out of my bag and I, before I said a word, the lady behind the counter said, I can't take that. And, like, and, I, she before, and I was like, what happened to this legendary custom? I was so angry. And, and eventually she talked herself around into accepting it and gave me, <laughs> uh, gave me a replacement for it. And I was like, I can't believe this. This is the last time I ever... And then I thought, well, seeing as I'm here, I do need some bath, man. So I went and I... <laughs> And I, and I started thinking, is this their new business model where every time you buy something, a yeah. bunch of things, they make sure one has muck on it? Yeah. Like the cashier just, when you, she, they go, hey, look behind you, and then they smudge a bit on yeah. it. And then you come back to replace it, and then you go, well, I do need, I need the toilet brush. Yeah. And see, so, yeah. It could be that. I think if I was John Lewis, I'd definitely go around the shop wanking onto stuff. <laughs> I'd definitely, wouldn't you? It's a nice shop. <laughs> Yeah. And just at night, you know, not when people are around. It's not, not okay. Harvey Weinstein thing. It's just like, someone's going to get that. Let's see if they bring it back. Right. See okay. if they bring it back or they keep it. And they keep a note, Phil Wang kept the spunky sheets. <laughs> Interesting. I think that's pretty bad that there's... there's you buy some. Sh- well, that's not right, is it? Yeah, and I'm trying to think, where, do, where does gunk get introduced <laughs> into the process? Well, I've told you. All st- <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> This was black gunk, though. This is like grey gunk, oh, okay. gunk. John Lewis is a very old man. <laughs> as it gets. That's it. He must be 200 years old by now. He's rising from the grave, squeezing out. There's some worms in it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't anticipate this going this way. Uh, so, you know, that's what I like about this show. You never know. Well, congratulations on the move. Um, what do you remember? Do you remember about Top Coppers? Yeah, I love Top Coppers so yeah. much. I still remember being told that I got the part. I was I couldn't believe it. I'd, I've ne- I'd never got a part in anything. I still haven't since. <laughs> it's my own, only role. It was such a fun show, Top Coppers, and so funny. And um, and I just remember being shown the script before the audition and laughing at it. And You'll know, you're shown scripts of things, and very rarely that you actually laugh. Sure. And this one, I was really laughing. I, was, I wanted so badly to get the part, and I did. And um, yeah, it's such a, it's a sad, it's sad that it's only ever had one series, but it's now on Netflix, that, that first series. It is on Netflix, so you never know. Yeah. Could be brought back. 
Then I'll have egg on my face. <laughs> yeah. Because I told John, I just I made fun of John Cairns about, about it. Oh, okay. I asked him if there was another series in the pipeline. Yeah. Like well, four years after it was last on. And, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, he was a main role, so it is more his fault it is than his mine fault. that it didn't. It is. I'm not blaming you at all. Yeah, I'm, no, me neither. I haven't watched it. I won't watch it. Um, <laughs> I, I refuse to watch it. Um, I've been very much enjoying, I've, I've, I've been listening to your, uh, the audiobook version. I also have, I have it in hard copy as well, that in like old fashioned people. But yeah. if, if this is going to last another 500 years, you need it copied down. The audiobooks don't last. Uh, so uh, it's called uh, Side Splitter. Yeah, Side Splitter, because it's funny, but it's also about me having two sides British and Malaysian Chinese. <laughs> Yeah, it took and no more months. than that. Just two. There's That's just the, the two only, sides. Yeah, there's only two sides <laughs> right. for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do you like it? I do really like it. I think it's, um, you know, it's interesting as a, a as a comedian. I think to have the perspective of both being foreign and not being foreign. Yeah. Okay. So knowing both cultures. Yeah. And that because like comedy and certainly that kind of comedy. Either, either you know, the, the kind of comedy that's either reaffirming, there's a lot of comedy that reaffirms, and it can border into racism, uh, where this is how we are, and let's laugh at other cultures that are different. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, that is, that's what, you know, certain 70s comedy was, was often like that. Uh, and never occurring to people that if you were in one of the other cultures, they'd be looking at your culture and laughing at the things in you. So it's yeah, a way exactly. of reinforcing your own culture and your own, um, the, the crazy things in your own culture by laughing at other people for doing things differently. But if you have an, uh, both cultures, or right. two cultures, you're able to step outside and, and, and realise what is ridiculous about. Yeah, life. and sort of laugh both ways. Yeah. And kind of have your cake and eat it, in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Because I can, I can tell jokes that are uh, in the, anyone else's mouth unequivocally racist <laughs> about Chinese people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then go, it's fine, I'm allowed, I have license. Uh, yeah, no, totally. I, I, and, and I, I, you know, I, I honestly think if I wasn't mixed race like this, um, I, I wouldn't have ever become a, a comedian. Because I think to become a comedian, to be enticed into this line of work and this lifestyle, you have to feel like you st- stand outside mm-hmm. society or, or people who seem to have their things together or an identity that is solid. And so comedy, at least for me, it was a way of forming an identity sort of after the fact. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's interesting because you feel, within the book, you talk about feeling that you're sort of, in, in each culture, you, are, you don't fit in, even though you're both, you don't yeah. fit into either because in, uh, in, um, uh, in, the, in China and Malaysia, then you will, uh, people will see you as a, a white guy mm. and in Britain, you came to Britain thinking, oh, now I'll be accepted and then you're seen as a... As an Asian guy, yeah, totally. So, totally. so it's it's it, that not fitting, that feeling of not fitting in. Certainly, as a kid, I think is is obviously drives comedy. I think for, for oh, a lot definitely, of different yeah. Things. I think not fitting in can go one of two ways. It can either make you feel ostracized, or yeah. it can make you into an egotist because <laughs> you realize, ah, you think I'm special. I yeah, because I think everyone, we all live life thinking we're the main character mm-hmm. in a movie. All of us. But when you literally look different to everyone, that delusion has a little more weight. 
it feels a bit more like it is true because you look different from everyone else, you know? Um, and so, so maybe that was part of it. And that's why I think, like, if, if I'd been born completely Malaysian and grew up in Malaysia, completely uh, white British and grown up in Britain, then I, 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 wouldn't have, I wouldn't have become a comedian, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe. But it's, uh, there's lots of interesting things in it. I was very interested in the chapter about Mind Your Language, which I wasn't oh. anticipating being something you would know about as you're a young man. Yeah. Uh, but when I was growing up, there was, a, there was a sitcom in the 70s called Mind... and briefly in the 80s, uh, called Mind Your Language, which was set in a language school. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's English as a second language class in a night school in London. Yeah. It's a, a sitcom started in 1977, I think. And it was about Mr. Brown, who taught English as a second language, to a classroom of, uh, conveniently, one of each race in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like a university prospectus, yeah. but to the extreme, to a whole class. Um, and and, and it's, it's, for the most part, it's an excuse for these characters, there's you know there's a, a Sikh guy, there's an, a, Hin, a Hindu woman, there's a Chinese lady, there's a Greek guy, an Italian guy, and it's an excuse for all these different cultures to get English wrong in their own way. Mm-hmm. And it is now seen as the quint, like one of the quintessential racist old British sitcoms, an example of look how far we've come. Um, and I dedicate a whole chapter in the book to this sitcom that is now you know quite obscure <laughs> and um and and largely culturally um rejected but i i, I make a case for it because it's it, it's as as racist as people might think it is it's huge in malaysia people love it it's, it's on right now it's right. being it's on. <laughs> we get our tv four decades after you guys are done with it <laughs> We get hand-me-downs, basically, or yeah. button TV. Um, uh, no, it's on at the time, and it's on again now. It's just on repeat again and again and again. It's our friends. It's just on again and again <laughs> and again. And uh, my, my Uncle David, I called him to talk about the show, and he was like, yeah, it's on now. It's my favorite show. I'm so happy. <laughs> and I speak also to Sindhu V, comedian Sindhu V, who's um, Indian, and she said, yeah, growing up, everyone in India loved it, too. Well, you know, her family loved it. And it, you know... I, as crass as the humor is, it was a representation of these people who, in a big British show, an internationally huge show. And, you know, you want to make a case as much as you like about, uh, about how much we've progressed in terms of um, racial sensitivity, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a show that exists now that has the racial diversity yeah. of Mind Your Language. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I watched a bit of it again. I, I genuinely, as a kid, I loved this show. Right? I loved it. And it was, it was it very much as of its time. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it, and it, you, know you, could, you couldn't make it as it is now. But I watched a bit of it again, having read your chapter. Uh, and it's, you know, it's interesting because it isn't... They're very sympathetic characters. It's not really... You know, they're, they're, as you say in the book, the, the principal of the school is kind of racist yeah, she's and, the, she's the, and yeah. unpleasant she's the but, but every, it, they're, they're just, it's about people struggling with the English language and it's broad strokes 
Oh yeah, but, but the jokes are not good. That, many of yeah. them are not good. Yeah. Some of them are good. A couple are good, yeah, and a couple uh, of the performances are really, really good. Yeah, and it's and as you said, but it's more the sexism is probably more of a problem. Than yeah, the yeah, yeah, but they, you know, but but it is showing it is showing those cultures, and as you say, people in those cultures would have found it funny because it because it's just a broad, it's a it's a friendly sort of fun look at cartoonish look at yeah. nationality. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they should bring it back. That's not no, what I'm saying. I, 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 I don't say that either. <laughs> no. I'm, not, I'm not crazy. But yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to... I'm, yeah, maybe, yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to... Try and look at this, look at it with a more nuanced uh, eye maybe. And I, I get to interview Pixie Lim, yeah. uh, who played the Chinese character, uh, Su Li, in, in Mind Your Language. And she's actually from Malaysia. She's Chinese-Malaysian as well, which is great. And she's really wonderful. She, she's been acting forever. You know, she has her IMDb goes from, I think, 1964 to 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, she's still going. It's crazy. She's incredible. Um, but her character, Chung Su Lee, was just this little um, red book, waving, Mao-obsessed <laughs> Chinese communist. Yeah. Who'd, who... And her only character trait was that she said L's instead of R's and R's instead of yeah. L's. <laughs> so she said, this is ridiculous. How dare you? <laughs> and she was like, it was so hard to speak like that because no one talks like that. It's really, really difficult. Um, but the, the, the trouble was, um, she'd come in and say things like, um, the, the market price is a depraved alina for capitalistic um, devils. And you go, okay, she's mixed up her L's and her R's there. But aside from that, that's pretty good English. Why is she in this class? <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> so logically, the, the whole show doesn't always hold up. <laughs> but there's one of the scenes I saw was her at, at Speaker's Corner. And there, it's kind of, in a way, it's sort of forward-looking. There's a, some liberal... People say that we're the friends of China and we want to, the people in China are all miserable, they're having a terrible time and we want to help them. And she's going, no, no, everyone's happy and, you know, the, and she loves Chairman Mao and all this. And, and then they, the friends of China, white, well, meaning middle class liberals, start fighting this actual Chinese person. Well, yeah, and it's, you know, it's actually, way, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually quite, you know, progressive in some ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other ways, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I just found it very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I kind of set myself a challenge of saying, can I write a whole chapter for that sitcom <laughs> no one watches anymore? Well, you did it, and, it's very, and it made me very happy to... And it, it made me happy to go back and look at it again. But it, and, and it, you know, 19, in 1970s Britain, which I do remember, yeah. was properly full-on racist, okay? So mind your language is nothing compared sure. to other stuff that was on TV. That's true, that's true. That's uh, true. You know, and, and just even thinking, like, children's nursery rhymes had like proper racial epithets and you're not allowed mm-hmm. to, like you were taught as a kid yeah the original eeny meeny miny mo it's not tiger it's not a tiger not a tiger uh, and you know there was there was that that language you know as i was growing up was absolutely ingrained in 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 the english language yeah and so, do you remember when, when when something like minded language was playing did did it did it was there something that sort of grated or were you so were you so racist? I as think a kid? I was. Were, were you, like, what was it? Was it so much part of the water, essentially, that you swam in? That um, it. I mean, you know, there was much worse things than mind your language that I think right, I, sure. that everyone would have, everyone sort of accepted. 
uh, you know, and heart, and not many people were complaining about. It. And I think that's. You know, you, you, I think you may, may. Was it you talking about Bernard Manning, or was that someone else talking about Bernard Manning? But that you know, people at the time weren't massively complaining about it, and so mm. there was there was you know, it, it, that's what happened in the eighties is people started to say, no, this, this isn't on. But there was a, it's a generational thing you know, that, that has happened. And so all the comedians now saying, oh, we're being cancelled for saying this or saying that. We're all part of the, you know, the generational shift. Yeah. Or at least that, there was another one then in the 80s where, where things became un- unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, things change. Cultures change. Yeah. Things change, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's sort of astonishing that kids were taught that. So, you know, and, yeah, so I was, I was essentially racist, but as a, <laughs> as a seven-year-old... Yeah, there was there was a you know there the was cutest kind. I was a lovely, races, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> but, you know, but it's that that feels astonishing to me that you know I was taught a nursery rhyme with the N word in it. Yeah, and yeah, uh, and we did a we had well, I'm sure we weren't taught this, but we had a. I don't think there's any way I can even describe what this one. Was. There's one about a Chinese man. Who uh, and that's that's putting it much more nicely than the rhyme does. Who oh, uh, goes to milk a cow? Do you, are you aware no, of that? I don't know this nursery rhyme. <laughs> I mean, you're nervous. I'm just excited about representation <laughs> in, in in a nursery rhyme game. I mean, it's well, not quite. It it's not quite a nursery rhyme because it's it is it, he. Uh, <laughs> Because, I mean, if it's about him not being able to digest the milk, it's actually well observed because <laughs> Chinese people lack the lactose-breaking enzyme, so okay. it's actually quite... Well, he wouldn't have any problem with that in this particular rhyme, is all I said, because <laughs> okay. he doesn't end up with milk. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, that, that's my... You know, in, 50, in half a century... That's the journey that that we've been on, and I, mm. and I think that what's as much as the book is is very moving and very honest portrayal of 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 what you've you know what you've been through and the the, the problems you face as well. It's very, you're very reasonable about mind your language. You're very reasonable about um, cultural appropriation. There's a great chapter about cultural appropriation and how basically. You argue that as long as you know, as long as you're not being rude, <laughs> it's yeah. okay to take things from other people's culture. Because that that yeah. we've got ourselves into a sort of mess, I think, about because things have come from a really dark place. That that something like someone wearing a, a traditional Chinese costume at a prom yeah. becomes an issue. Yeah, yeah, because it's all tied up with ideas of imperialism and and stealing, and you know, and you know, cultural appropriation now becomes conflated with. With, with theft because there's a history of something um, pretty uh, um, close to theft happening you know, between the Western um, empires and, and the rest of the world. But, I mean, to, to, to say that, you know, I talk about Keziah Daum, who is this uh, American uh, teenager who at her prom wore this Chongsam. Uh, Chongsam is this Chinese traditional dress. And she looks great in it. Um, I mean, I felt a bit creepy looking up Photos of a 16-year-old girl at prom and writing down, she looks wonderful, but I can qualify it as research for the book. Um, Peter Townsend had something similar in it. (laughs) Have you written a whole book just to get around the fact you were Googling this? Oh, no, she would have been 18 because she's graduated. Oh, there you go. Thank you very much. Can I get a round of applause? (laughs) Uh, Almost got one going there. But anyway, so she wore this chongsam, uh, and and she posted the the photographs of of her wearing it, and uh, you know, 
the Twitter hate started, all these people saying, you know, my, my, my culture is not your prom dress. Um, but then it's like, well, but she's not, she's not pulling her eyes back and going, me love you long time. She's wearing a dress <laughs> that, is impor- that she thinks is beautiful enough yeah. to wear to the most important social event in her life up to that point. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm just arguing for a more nuanced approach to it, a more reasonable approach to it. And, the, you know, and frank, you know, culture is appropriation. It isn't a question about trying to remove appropriation out of culture. Culture is appropriation. It's yeah. how culture, um, you know, de- develops. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very, it's, it's very interesting. And there's lots of uh, funny stuff in there as well, I have to say. Oh, so it's, 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 uh, it's not just dry we... cultural analysis. <laughs> but I wish it were, because that's why I really get my kicks on. <laughs> Um, well, you talk. There's there's a few things that uh, resonate with me. You talk about shitting yourself uh, in class when you're a, ch- oh, yeah, a, ch- a when child, I was a kid, yeah, which I, which I did as well. You did, Shit yeah. Some- I did it very very similarly. Story, which I think my audience know my story, but I shat myself rather. Than, I was sort of nervous about going to the toilet to do a I poo. Hated as, it. I hated as it so much. Kid. And you, there was sort of you weren't allowed to do it if you went. You were had to. You weren't allowed to shit at school really, and that was all through whole of school. But this was when I was four or five uh and i just and i was wearing little red shorts i can remember it very and this is goes into what you say in the book about remembering hu- your humiliations yeah. and i just decided to shit my pants thinking it would stay in there and <laughs> and the same as me in your story as well the uh, some kids were going oh what's that smell and i said it was a naughty dog outside <laughs> outside the window which made no sense the smell was in the room it's like it would have to be a dog like shitting <laughs> Through the window, you know, firing diarrhea through the window, uh, but they believed it because they were idiots. Until a, like a piece of shit was then discovered, slipped out of because I was wearing shorts and it just slipped out of the my pants. The naughty dog has put his poo in my pants. <laughs> this dog is so naughty. But you similarly, you you, you managed to conv- you convinced them, did you, that it was? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was sat I was sat in the library, and we were being given like the library rundown, being told basically how libraries worked. You know, pretty pretty big day, um, and and the librarian was talking about the decimal system or whatever, um, and I I needed to poo, and and I again I hated going to the toilet to yeah. do shit. It was scary. It was scary, because then you're a child and you're trying to squeeze something out of you that is, relative to your size, pretty big. Yeah. I mean, now, like, whatever, it's, what, a 116th of my body mass, but at the time, it was like a quarter, maybe? Yeah. And it's scary. You go into the toilet wondering if you'll make it out alive, almost. And so I I would try and postpone every poo as long as I could, and, but this one I couldn't hold anymore, and I like let it, I let it fall, a little bit fall out into my pants, and I just, and there's something, there was also something embarrassing about wanting to go up, so I just pooed in my pants, and I thought I'd gone away with it, and the lady's going, you know, you keep the spine on the outside, and, and then, <laughs> and then I noticed the boy next to me, it's sort of, like I can see his, like his nose hairs like spring up, like you know, meerkats, you know, and. and it, and, he, and I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. And he turns, the little boy turns around and looks at me, and he looks me dead in the eye and goes, did you... Did... I mean, very judgmental for a small boy now to think about it, but he goes, did you, did you do a poo? And I thought about it, you know, this, and I remember so clearly weighing my options 
I felt like I sat there thinking for like three minutes. But I thought, I, my thought process was, I've done a poo. He smelled something. Now, I can deny that I've done a poo. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not what he said. He, he turned around. He didn't, no, I've messed up the story. He turned around. He didn't, he didn't say, um, did you do a poo? He said, did you fart? The little boy said, did you fart? And, and I started weighing my options then and thinking, well, I, I could deny the fart as well. But at this point, with this much smell, the idea that not even a fart has happened <laughs> is for the birds. <laughs> and I also then could... I was old enough to make the, the decision that being accused of a fart is less serious than being accused of a shit. Yeah, and being found guilty of a fart is less serious than being found guilty of a shit. Yeah. So then I went, yes, I have done a fart. And he went, all right then. <laughs> and he... <laughs> And we, he turned his head back and we continued to, continue to learn about borrowing limits. And <laughs> what that was to me was my first lesson in the idea of a lesser evil. Yeah. And that you can be presented with two um, unideal options. Yeah. And instead of working fruitlessly for a good option, which you're not going to get, you should choose the less bad mm bad option, which in this case was being found guilty of a fart. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I learned sure a lot. Make sure your underwear are tight as well. That's the other... Sorry? Make sure your underwear are tight enough to contain the poo. Yeah. And make sure there's at all times a dog in <laughs> close enough proximity you yeah. could blame it on. Naughty dog. Naughty dog. Naughty, naughty dog. Can, you can blame Why anything on naughty dog. Believe you me. <laughs> Believe you and me, my fine friends. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, and also, we will come back to the book, because there's lots to talk about, but uh, you have got a Netflix special out at the moment called yeah. Philly Philly Wang Wang. Not just out at the moment, out in perpetuity, I okay. imagine. Unless they decide to take it down. I think they might take it down. Has it happened yet? Yeah. I oh, know they haven't taken yours down. I oh. had things on there that they took down. Really? Why? Yeah. Well, because they bought them for a certain length oh, of right. time. And yeah. then... 
Yeah, well, I don't. Yeah, that, that wasn't the deal here. So I guess no, but yours is not net made by Netflix. Yeah, for so the Netflix. only reason they take it down is that they really didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> or you just do something so awful that they can't have you on the channel anymore. That's true. Yeah. Uh, let's look on the bright side. <laughs> or you, maybe they run out of space. You think they'll ever be like, we need to free up three gig. <laughs> they might. <laughs> <laughs> And they just uh, arrange, arrange files by file size. And they just, <laughs> mm, like, just do a desktop cleanup. Um, one of the things you do is uh, an impression of a sperm. Oh, yeah. I've got a part in a film you could do. You might, you might have a part in the new Pixar film. <laughs> okay. About Charlie Bucket. I have no reason to believe that's how a sperm sounds, <laughs> but it fits the look, doesn't it? Yeah. I, it's actually very similar. I, I was on the uh, program Taskmaster. Yes, I'm and right. I there was a task that was best sound, and I did essentially that sound, but right. it's more that was a. With, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really gross, but you can't get enough. <laughs> like sperm. Yeah. <laughs> the Taskmaster. Appearance was, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it at the time, but the, I had to go back and watch some of the tasks again because there was only one thing in my mind <laughs> from, from your Taskmaster. And I watched it all. I enjoyed it. Was, I think it was the first series I properly watched the whole thing for, for your series. Yeah. So I did see all of the tasks, but the, all I could remember, my memory is going, I'm quite old, was what you were wearing. Yes. Well, more specifically, the shape of something underneath what you were wearing. Yeah, you'll be talking about my dick and balls. I am, I am talking about your dick and balls. I honestly... I can't believe how often I have to say this. <laughs> I did not intend for that to happen, for my dick and balls to be that visible. Because in Google pictures of Bruce Lee wearing that outfit, this, you don't see his dick and balls. No. But it turns out, you have to be quite physically fit to carry off <laughs> a tight-fitting yellow onesie. Yeah. Um, and plus, you know, I guess I'm just very well endowed. Yeah. And, and, and so the, the first day, I, and you have to, once you put on that costume, you're committed to it because you have to wear it through all the tasks. Um, and so the first day I put it on, I felt a bit tight, but <laughs> it felt fine. I was like, fine, whatever. And the crew, I noticed, was stifling the kids and laugh. <laughs> but no one said there was a problem. I now realize in retrospect, they just realized it was good TV. Yeah. And so no one said anything for months while I did these tasks in this outfit. And then late on in the process, we do the first group task day, and they bring in Rod Gilbert and James Acaster. And it's the first time I filmed any tasks with anyone who isn't a member of the crew. And the second Rod and James see me, they go, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> and it was... The, I felt like Eve eating a, a, the apple. It was like the yeah. first I'd become aware of the shame <laughs> of, of nudity. And you can actually see, if you watch that series, the first task, group task day is the first day that I'm covering <laughs> my genitals because it's the first day I've become aware of my shame. But do you think... Do you think that's... Because, you know, yeah, since Taskmaster, it's been an upward trajectory for your career. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was the, the, the outline of your genitals? Because that's often like 
young women do that sort of thing, don't they? they, they they'll appear on TV in sort of skimpy outfits and mm. become... Was that your... Do you think yes, the, the accidental... Kind of, I was gender-busting the industry. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the, the, I'd nice to have a gimmick, you know, and your gimmick is we've all seen the rough shape of your genitals when flaccid. Yeah, I mean, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I wish I was flaccid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... No, I mean, I, I'm, I was surprised and thrilled that people took it with such good humour. Mm-hmm. I, I thought people would be disgusted and appalled. And what's weird, actually, is how many families come and say, I'll bring their kids, and like, our kids love you on Taskmaster. <laughs> and I go, I didn't know they were allowed to watch that. <laughs> and that makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. But, yeah. um, but no, people seem to have taken it on the chin. Has <laughs> 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 any good sport word. And... Uh, and, and yeah, it's odd because, like, having all the, all the stuff I did on it diluted to my dick and balls. Yeah. Uh, but it's fine. It's good to have something to be remembered by. Yeah. And I People guess... will remember your dick and balls long after you're gone. <laughs> That'll be the last memory of you. There's, there's I think 500 years, <laughs> yeah. I think, it'll be the last time anyone mentions my yeah. dick and balls. Could be, it'll be interesting to see how long it'll be. And I know we did, you did appear on the Edinburgh version of the show and we did talk about it, but I do want to mention again, just because I want everyone in the world to see this who hasn't seen this, but your, uh, you did a, a video of uh, Tom Hiddleston yeah. uh, and the, the Centrum vitamin pill yeah. advert. I mean, we can't talk about it, but you really have to watch it. And every single... I don't think there's a thing that every single time I see it, I laugh as much as I did the first time, and then I can watch it four times around and I'm still laughing. It's one of the funniest things that's, that's ever kind. existed. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate that. It was, <laughs> you know, it was a Sunday in a hotel room in Melbourne that uh, was well used in the end, I guess. I, I, I filmed it in the morning. No, I think I wrote it in the morning, filmed it around noon, and then spent the evening editing it and put it out. And, uh, but yeah, it was, just, it, was just, it was just like really good luck that this ad had come out with Tom Hiddleston is for a Chinese vitamin brand Centrum. And it was filmed in portrait mode so that it could be played on an iPhone. Um, and it just so happened that the, 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 the place he was in looked very much like the hotel room I was in. <laughs> and, um, and it all kind of fell together. Um, and I, 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 well, I got a message on Twitter when this ad came up from the comedy writer Andrew Dawson. And he was like, you should do a video where you're his girlfriend um, doing his, lapel, his collar up. And I thought, oh, yeah. And then I thought, um, maybe instead of the girlfriend, I'll be, he's, 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 uh, he's broken into my house. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, comedically, that's an easier premise to perpetuate. Because there's conflict there. You can just keep going. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, he's broken into my house. And then so I just filmed. I mean, I looked, men- I looked absolutely crazy. I was just like... <laughs> Film myself with one hand and um, uh, yeah, but it, it, it all kind of worked out because he said all these mad things in this in this in this advert that he was basically just sort of saying punchlines, yeah. and I just had to write the setups for them. <laughs> and he's such a weird guy anyway that it all it all kind of yeah, it all kind of came together. He has Tom Hiddleston has seen it apparently. Has he? Apparently, has seen it. And I he, bet he doesn't find it funny. Well, he says he says he finds. Yeah, it he doesn't know. <laughs> he is weird, but he is weird, right? He's a weird, and I think that's the. And when you see him, and I've seen you talk about him as well, you've like you know you picked on him in a, another TV show, I think. But the, the the choices he 
makes. Yeah, uh, like you talked about him doing an impression of Robert De Niro to Robert De Niro. Oh, it's a great piece of footage. Yeah, <laughs> it's truly incredible to watch Robert De Niro not know how to react and trying to be polite, but also wanting to convey to everyone watching at home that he's not enjoying this. <laughs> And it's a big baller movie. If you're going to do that, an impression of someone to someone, you have to be, it has to be the fucking best impression in the world. And Robert De Niro is quite an easy one to do, right? He's not that good. No, it's not, it's not it's not So he's done a bad impression of Robert De Niro yeah. to Robert De Niro, who will have get that every day. Someone will come up to go... <laughs> <laughs> that's better. That, what, I haven't, that's, what I did there is better than... That was really good. That was good, yeah, yeah. But it's such a superpower to do something not very good and go at the end. That was probably that was great. <laughs> I'm brilliant, and that's why he's in the night manager, and I'm not because he just goes, <laughs> "I'm great." Have Centrum, who I would never have heard of without you, yeah, got in touch and offered you any free pills? <laughs> not so much as a multivit. Not so much as a tab of D. Because I, I would say, I would say your parody has probably been seen more than the advert because the it, advert yeah. was was local wasn't it to wherever where, china presumably china, yeah, yeah. Was, that's it's just, pretty big it's pretty big <laughs> it's also like it's it's a thing that's been seen it, it's 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 the thing of mine that i've made that's probably been seen more than anything else i've done which yeah. is weird because it was just filmed on an iphone in a hotel room yeah um yeah but that's that's the world we live in richard this <laughs> is yeah, it's a mad world, isn't it? It is. It it's is crazy. A crazy. It's a mad, mad world. Um, I think these are crazy times we're living in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you were born in the same hospital as Robbie Williams? Yeah. Um, yep. North Staff's maternity w- hospital. Did they make a big deal of it when you came out? They said... When I came out, yeah, they going, my mother... Yeah. <laughs> got, they had first Robbie Williams, now this. <laughs> <laughs> now this guy. Um... No, weirdly, my, the, the doctor that delivered me was a Malaysian doctor mm. in Stoke, um, which was quite coincidental. Yeah. Not very funny. But I, incredible, incredible bit of... Um, mm, mm. What's, what's it when it's not... It's luck, but it's not necessarily positive. It's just an unlikely thing to happen. But ha- yeah, that's what it's called. What's it, what's it called? Uh, no, it's... It, yeah, it's like... No, coincidence is right, but there's like a wankier word I'm reaching for. Serendipity. Thank you very yeah, much. Right. There's a film. I was thinking there's a film with John Cusack in it that's terrible, and I was trying to think of the title of the film, and I couldn't. I couldn't get to it. Thank serendipity. you. Serendipity. Yeah, very serendipitous. My favourite word. <laughs> um, I liked in the book the distinction which I'd not heard before. I don't know if you coined this. Uh, that uh, well, the the, the the fact that well, there's a, quite a lot about the the terminology for Asian people anyway, and we'll get onto that, but. Uh, that you that Asians divide into cricket Asians and eat weird shit Asians. Oh yeah, <laughs> is, is that is that your is that your observation or is that something you've? That's my no, yeah. yeah, that's my observation. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. special. Yeah, I say <laughs> I say there's essentially two types of Asians yeah. in the world. There's two main categories. I mean, there's more if you have the time, but <laughs> fundamentally, when we talk, when we hear the word Asian, we go, is it that one or the, that one? And it's Cricket Asian and eats Richard Asian. Yeah. Half of Asia plays cricket and the other half eats crickets. That's right. how... That's the mnemonic <laughs> I go by. Yeah. Uh, in the book, you do discuss the ethnicity... 
box tick thing that you that we we all have to do every time we get we get one of those one of those uh, like a diversity survey. Yeah, yeah, diversity survey. You don't have to do it, or you can say you don't want to fill it in. But I, I like it, prefer not to say. <laughs> I've never to... I've never had the confidence to take prefer not to say. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of is like, mm, wouldn't you like to know? I kind of think, who do you think you are? I prefer not to say. Um, I always say. I always say. Yeah, um, but it's difficult to know what to say as you've discussed it because yeah. it seems very insensitive for something that's meant to be presumably sensitive and yeah. about inclusion. It seems to not really have got the wording right. Yeah, it sort of stems from the indecision in the UK specifically about who the word Asian refers to. Yeah. Because I'll, I, it's quite common that I'll be filling this form in under race. It'll be like um, black, Caribbean, black, African, white, uh, British, Asian, and then Chinese and other groups. <laughs> and it's like, first of all, I think there are enough Chinese people in the world that we get our own box. <laughs> <laughs> and aren't grouped in with other groups. It's like, if you're Chinese, you take that box. If you're a member of the Sami people of Lapland, then you're also in the same box. And the other thing... The other thing is like, but there's already Asian. Why, why have you said, why is there a box for Asian and then another box for Chinese? Now, because I'm mixed, there's usually a box for mixed, so then I take mixed. And then within mixed, you have to choose your version of mixed. Is it um, white and black? White and Asian? And I go, oh, well, I'm white and Asian. Ah, but in the first category, Chinese is an Asian. <laughs> so then instead, I, I take mixed other. So in a diversity survey that is presumably created in order to combat the feelings of otherness, <laughs> I literally have to tick a box that says I am other. <laughs> It does seem great, but if they put your if they put your distinction, uh, the Asian, that would be it, wouldn't it? Cricket Asian, or, or yes. shit Asian. Then that's that what be I've a... been campaigning <laughs> for, and it's what I really want to talk about tonight. Is <laughs> <laughs> to add the boxes cricket Asian and eat twitch shit Asian to the national census. Uh, oh, interesting. I am I am part Asian. Oh, my hair is Asian. Yes, I've got I was, Asian hair. I was thinking on the way in, yeah. Riches has got some Last Samurai shit going on <laughs> up top. Yeah. It's lovely silky. I've been to, I went to, a, I, know, I know this, I went to a, when I was in Thailand for quite a while. You were in Thailand to, for quite a while? Yeah, I was in Thailand for about two months. <laughs> well, like for... I don't know, Richard, when a man of your age goes to Thailand for two months, for, we, it's I not was, a good look, no matter how much your hair looks like theirs. <laughs> I was in Thailand for two months on holiday <laughs> with my girlfriend. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I got my hair cut because I hadn't had my hair cut. Oh, yeah. And the Thai, the Thai barber said, you have, you have Thai or you have Asian hair. Right. Are you mm. sure he wasn't saying, do you want a hair tie? <laughs> he, was, he was saying because of the, uh, the direction it grows in as much as anything. And the way it grows, I think he said it was very like Thai hair. Oh. So, you know, I, I could write a book about being partly Asian. My, just my, uh, the perspective of how most of me is English, yeah. but my hair comes from Asia. Yeah. And how that's, calling, uh, that's affected me. But him calling your hair Thai, them, I, think, I think statisticians talk about this as um, a base rate fallacy. Um, because presumably, all the hair he's got is Thai. Yeah. 
So you bring into him human hair. <laughs> he's gone, wow, this is like Thai hair. But of course it is. This is the only hair he's ever seen. I think he was on the beach, you know, he was a barber on the beach of a tourist beach. I think he okay, cut okay. a lot of European hair. Right, okay. And he was, you know, impressed with my... On the beach? Well, no, you know, he was by the beach, so it was oh, a tourist. Okay. But it was a tourist spot, so I think he would have cut a lot of people's hair. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I'm not, I don't know how many tourists get their hair cut on holiday. Yeah. But Thailand's the kind of place you go to for a little while sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously they get it cut enough that he set up shop next to a, yeah. a hotel. So, you know, I turn up and he goes, wow. Wow, Thai hair. So, Thai hair. You can have a discount. Yeah. Hmm. Just letting you know. We, should we share something? It's nice hair. You're not going to hear anything else from me. <laughs> okay. It's lovely hair. You look great. Thanks. I do my best. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and also, you, 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 we, uh, there's, there, there does feel like a lot of similarities in our <laughs> hair and our upbringing. <laughs> but uh, there, was lot, there was lots in the book that I identified with, I think, just in terms of... Because we're obviously comedians and yeah. we're both quite nerdy, introverted guys. Yeah. Although I think you've said something that you can't... You can, uh, maybe it was a newspaper interview, you can only think of one extrovert comedian who you don't name. <laughs> yeah. but, well, but you think all you think I mean I think it probably is true that a lot of comedians aren't full out extroverts on the whole yeah yeah I mean there are a couple of comedians I think who are like you know and they come out there and I, I don't mean to disparage that that way it's just, it just I, I only say it to point out that it is rare among comedians to, to, to have extroverted tendencies um, I think because coming up with the jokes is quite an introverted sort of you know thing to do you kind of have to hold up and think in your head all, all the time and come up with cheeky little tricks to make people laugh and you know you're not instead of going out and enjoying life <laughs> you're just staying at home and coming up with little tricks <laughs> in your little lab and and I, th- I think comedy is comedy is essentially about like and stand-up especially is about overanalyzing things and I think that's what, what introverts do. Introverts overanalyze. Extroverts yeah. don't analyze in, in, enough. Usually they go jet skiing and fall off bridges and, you know, <laughs> they have a good time and they, they, they die in extraordinary yeah. ways. Whereas introverts, we stay safe, we come up with ideas and we die eventually of loneliness. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's that weird disparity. When you were a, a shy kid and, like, when you suggested being in... Doing it, being in the school play, the the teacher thought you meant in the audience because they couldn't imagine you. Oh yeah, well my first ever gig was at school in Bath when I moved to the UK, and uh, there was a, a comedy night put on by the drama teacher called Club Ha Ha. <laughs> strange name for a teacher. <laughs> um, anyway, and it, it was predominantly to showcase the student improv team that he was he was coaching and teaching, but he advertised that there were five minute stand up spots. They're called five-minute open spots, available to anyone who wanted to sign up. And so I, I went up to the drama studio, and there was a list outside, and he was working on it. And I said, can I, can I do the show? Uh, and he said, yeah, uh, yeah, I think we've got a seat left. And I was like, no, to do the stand-up. And he went, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, he looked very nervous <laughs> to let me do it. Because I wasn't a really funny kid. I was, you know, I was... I was good at math, so I did a bit of music, and I, you know, I kept myself to myself, really. And so, he, uh, yeah, he, he probably thought this kid's going to die on stage. Um, and, and I went on, and I did five minutes of uh, pretty much stolen material. And, um, and it, I did well. Like, I, I had the technique, and I, I got the laughs where I was meant to, and it worked, and that was my, 
that was my first ever gig, but it, it wasn't like an expected turn for me. I no. wasn't like a class clown or anything. And what do you think? I mean, if you are, because I, I was, I, I was shy as well. I think as a, I mean, I, 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 maybe not in the exactly the same way as you, but it's, but it, what do you think? You know, most people would look at being a comedian and going on stage and thinking, well, that's the last thing I would do, however comfortable I am in social situations. What do you think means that as an introvert, one is able to stand on a stage and tell jokes? Is it just the well, safety it, of it? or Yeah, it's a structure of it. It's the agreement that I can talk and everyone must listen for an allotted amount of time and then we can go. There's, there's a clarity there of who's meant to talk. What makes me anxious, I'm, I'm far more anxious like in a group of five people at a pub and everyone's like <laughs> throwing jokes at each other. My only thought is I don't want to ruin this and so I won't say anything. Yeah. Uh, because there's no agreement as to who should be speaking. You have to vouch for yourself. You have to present them with this is what I have to contribute and I think you'll find it qualifies. <laughs> In stand-up, in the performance setting, the, that, that qualification is presumed. And, and, and so that's what drew me to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's, I think it is true that, that largely speaking, there's, a, there's this... I mean, is it some, something missing in comedians or something extra in comedians? Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> Just acknowledgement, I think, a lot yeah. of the time. I mean, when I started doing, doing stand-up to show that everyone that... See, I can be funny if I want to, <laughs> and I have lots of time to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> and I write the words down on a list, uh, and yeah, it's just it's kind of to show off a bit as well, you know. Uh, we're, we're fundamentally show offs. Yeah, we're, we're we're shy show offs. It's it's an odd thing, and but it, and it's I don't know. I think it feels a little bit like you've sort of become cooler through the last few years. Me? Yeah. Thanks. Well, you're you know you've got, you've sort of sharpened up your image a little bit. It's kind of interesting watching your. Stand up because it there's a sort of almost arrogant confidence behind the behind it as well as it being yeah. quite you know what I mean it's quite an yeah. interesting persona which I, I think has changed a little bit. No, totally. Yeah, yeah. My my persona is it's more like high status. Yeah. Now I guess it's, it's always been a bit high status, um, but but I'm trying to bring some silliness into it too. Uh, and, and yeah, as I've gotten older, I've just become a little more confident, a little more comfortable with my looks and like wearing glasses and stuff. And I used to wear like little skinny glasses because I thought mm, the smaller they are, the less people will notice. Them. <laughs> Maybe people won't realize they even wear glasses, but they just, they, they're all the more obvious because they're just two like, you know, black sort of slits across your face. And so I, I got like these big old frames and they're a little more good for my face, I think. And it means like I'm owning it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, get, I get these glasses at a shop called Moscot. Uh, they're really beautiful glasses. And, uh, but I embarrass myself there all the time. And the first time I went in, I was, I, I'd, been, I'd been encouraged to, to ask for um, med, a media discount. There's another comedian who was like, I, I get all my shit free or at least discounted. I go in and say, give me a media discount. And this is not my personality to be asking for <laughs> media discounts. But I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get a media discount. I'm 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 Phil I'm Phil Wang. I've shown my genital nation. I deserve <laughs> cheaper frames. So I went in and I was like I picked up the glasses. Oh yeah, they're lovely. And then when he was ringing them up, I said, uh, uh, "Do you do a media discount?" And he said, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, mm, already losing confidence. I was like, "Media media discount. I'm in the media." <laughs> And he kind of went, uh, 
I'll give you a student discount. (laughs) Which was his very nice way of saying, I don't know who the fuck you are. (laughs) And I want you out of my shop. (laughs) I get my glasses for free when uh, other guests just leave them behind. So that's that's how I I do it. It Works works a treat. Um, Yeah, well, you know, it's... um, What was I going to say? I'll just have a... Let me have a think. No, I've got nothing. I'll ask you an emergency question. I'll ask you a would-you-rather question. Oh, yeah. Let's see how this goes. Um. <laughs> would you rather... This is an interesting question about um, introversion, introversion versus extroversion in mm. some ways. Would you rather have, what would you rather have named after you? The public toilet in the centre of your town or an embarrassing disease? <laughs> <laughs> The toilets would have a big neon size sign uh, above them saying the Phil Wang toilet. The embarrassing deed disease would be mentioned on the news a lot and be caught by about one in four people. <laughs> Realistically, you would also have to be the first person to have the disease for it to be named after you. If you have a common name, you might be able to convince people it wasn't you. Which you sort of... Yeah, sort of I mean, Wang is Wang, as if it's common the, as it gets. If, I don't speaking. know if they would call it the Wang disease, though, because that... Well, if they, <laughs> Okay. Especially if it was actually on the penis. If it was a penis disease, they called it the Wang disease. <laughs> They'd have to call it the Phil Wang disease. That would be perfect, yeah. <laughs> Especially if it was a disease, a disease where your penis sort of got unnaturally engorged because yeah. it literally filled your Wang. Yeah. The Phil Wang disease. Then I could... <laughs> I could say with some level of believability that, no, it's not my name. It's just the, the description of the disease. Yeah. Spelled People would go, what, what the... Scientists who named it use the term Wang in the name of the disease. <laughs> it's the yep. German word for it. I think I'd go for the disease. Okay. I think a legacy is a legacy. Yeah. Uh, the toilet, it'd be run down eventually, and, yeah. you know, it, the city wouldn't look after it after a while, get turned into some rubbish speakeasy. And, uh. It's just, it's, it's good to be remembered, isn't it? That's the thing. It's good to just exactly. be remembered. Exactly. Remember regardless of what of. And the, the disease would always, would always be there, wouldn't it? The, the, those people who have the diseases named after them, it's forever, isn't it? You know who I envy? Heimlich. Yeah. He, he's the only one with, like, the cure named after him. <laughs> He's got a manoeuvre named after him. Isn't that cool? That is cool. I mean, you think, imagine Parkinson's looking fucking Heimlich. He got... <laughs> People are happy when his thing happens. Someone gets saved when his thing happens. Yeah. And they don't have a name. They should be the person who first choked on something. Should, the disease should be named. <laughs> the disease of choking. <laughs> the disease of not being able to eat your food properly. Imagine that being named after you. Heimlich came along, rescued that person as well. Um, also, it's not a manoeuvre, it's squeezing someone until it pops out. That's just squeezing. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know I had such beef with Heimlich. Yeah, I don't know, it's good, to, it's good to know. Right, I'll do one more and then we will... Okay, we'll because we got a bit, we got a bit morbid towards the end of the last one as well. Would you rather know how you'll die or what will happen to you after you die? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think I'd rather know what happens to me after I die. Because yeah. if you know how you're going to die, that's torture. Yeah, and you'd be looking out for it all the time, right? Well, well, you'd be able to avoid it for a long time. If they say you're going to fall out of a window, just keep away from windows. But in order for that warning to be true, it has yeah. to eventually happen. It does, yeah. But eventually you'd get bored of being alive and jump out a window. <laughs> <laughs> the mental torture 
I've, I've been terrified of windows. Eventually, causes you to jump out a window. <laughs> wow. You accept it. You accept it's your fate. Oh, yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. God, that's an interesting... But then knowing what happens after you die, that, that could be more torture, couldn't it? Than if I you... guess I'm arrogantly assuming it would be nice. Right. After, um... what, if it, what if it is, as it is, nothing? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's the most likely... Yeah, well, that is what it, that's in... what it definitely is. <laughs> so I'm telling you, when you die... It's like before you were born. Oh, I see. That's what you mean. I yeah. thought you. I thought you meant that you know how what happens to what everyone else thinks of you after you die, oh, okay. and what people say about you, like a sort of like a Christmas Carol kind of thing where you float about. And oh, yeah. well, they can have that as well. You can have that shit. interpretation as well. Right. Okay. So you'd rather know what people thought about you after you died. Yeah. Why not, yeah, why not ask them while you're alive? <laughs> oh, it's I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's easy to find out. What, what happens in the afterlife? Is there an afterlife? It seems highly unlikely. There's yeah. no reason to believe anything happens, but it could. Hmm. But, but then the, question, the awkward question is, is there a before life? If there is no abyss, what were we before we were born? Good question. Maybe, hmm, I don't know. Mm, I, yeah, no, I don't think there is an afterlife. But I still will say sorry to God right before I die. Okay. Just in case. <laughs> Just before you jump out the window? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> BT way, uh, uh, God, sorry about all the wanks. All right, bye! <laughs> and then just... I mean, if you knew you were going to die in a plane crash, that would, be a, that would be torturous because you would know that, you know, every plane you got on, you were essentially possibly going to murder everyone else on the plane. So you'd have to never get on a plane, but know you'd, one day you'd have to get on a plane. Mm. So you'd have to just say, get out! Yeah. Everyone get out! Set it on autopilot. That'll probably make it crash. <laughs> There's another self-fulfilling prophecy. I like this. This is yeah. like some Twilight Zone. Yeah, show. oh yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah cause then because then if you're like, I know this is going to crash, they'd probably kick you off the plane. Yeah. And then you go, oh, fuck, I've got to do this all over again. <laughs> the next time I get on a plane. Yeah. Oh. It'd probably be a heart attack or something like that. That's the thing. So then you, there's nothing you can, like, you're going to die in your sleep. That would be that if you're going to die in your sleep of a heart attack every time you went to sleep. Oh, is it tonight? <laughs> I mean, you should be thinking that anyway, because yeah. it could be. I guess that's the best way to go. Yeah. The, the way I want to go is I want to be. Have you seen Mulan, the Disney animated movie? Uh, yes, but I'm not. Uh, Lu Shang, I think, is the name of the villain. At the end, he gets spoilers. He gets shot up into the sky in a big rocket and he explodes like a firework. Okay. And I've always wanted that. I. <laughs> I want to be set up on a platform, yeah. like I've been condemned in the Wild West, <laughs> yeah. and I've strapped a huge, beautiful red rocket, um, and all my f- friends and family are there in front of me, and I'm strapped up, <laughs> and I go one by one saying, thank you for everything you've brought to my life. Yeah. I love you, and then move on to the next one. I've got a couple of enemies as well, maybe, that I set the record straight. Um, but they're mainly friends and family, and then I go, it is time. And um, someone lights the fuse and everyone puts on their Max. And... Don't say, oh, this is my death. I, uh, don't get sensitive. I'm, I've come to terms with it. And I get fired up into the sky and it's... Yeah. Yeah, and it's a celebration. And it's so Chinese. <laughs> I say it. it it's, the, it's good luck as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not that good luck to be blown up in the sky by a firework. I'd say that's pretty bad luck. It's good luck for everyone else. 
showered in your entrails <laughs> that they're wearing max. I would, I, would des- I would have the firework designed so they would burn at high enough temperature that I'm completely um, incinerated. Okay. The max are just a precaution. Okay. The smell of your, the delicious smell of your burning flesh. Yeah, my last meal is really delicious, so I smell good <laughs> when I go up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought, I've thought this through, Richard. You really have. Yeah. It's, very nice to, it's very nice to know. Um, let me see if there's anything else I want to talk to you about. Otherwise, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, tell you to fuck off. <laughs> I think we've, we've got most of it. I think you're, you're in, within your um, stand-up special, there's an argument you could... You know, they're, they're, everyone's looking for sort of the right-wing comedians. And there's, oh, a, yeah. so, there's a sort of shift towards some less left-wing views, or you at least within it you discuss the fact that you used to be socialist, but now you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that, uh, yeah, that was mainly of... Uh, yeah, I just grew up a lot in my mid-twenties. Yeah. Yeah, and realised that there's no um, good or nice politics. It's all just different people with different aims yeah. um, and different, um, you know, um, drives and incentives. And... Um, uh, but I wouldn't say I'm a right-wing comic. I'm, I'm pretty cent- centrist, really. And I, 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 you say you know, you say you were socialist until you started making money, and then yeah, now you're not socialist anymore. But that's true of everyone. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. That's true of the socialists. Yeah, that was true of the communists. <laughs> you know, and so I, 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 yeah, I only do the bit to say you know, the human nature means that we only really believe in what benefits us. It's well. There's an argument. I think that I, I find it interesting looking at again some of the uh, the very left wing comedians of my generation have turned into the sort of most right wing or libertarian, which is similar uh, people. Mm. You know, some of them have become sort of rather than being comedians, just sort of becoming political spokesmen. And they were the guys on the marches. And I was never. I was. Sort of, I've always been fairly apolitical. Yeah, um, I, I can't really think. Of- in my mind, all the sort of the, the, that that generation of left wing comics are still some of them still are yeah. Some of them still are, but, the, but it's interesting to see the ones that aren't, and some of them aren't well known. One of them is quite well known, uh, and but I think, but for some people, it's the same thing. It's, it's within that joke there is a, a truth. For some people, they are left wing when they're young because they don't have anything, yeah. and then when they have something, they go, oh. I, you know, now I've got... So it's a, it's a sort of self... Some people are left-wing for self-interest and some people remain left-wing, I think. Well, I think there's, that, there's that adage, if, if, you're, if you're young and right-wing, you're, you don't have a heart, and if you're old and left-wing, you don't have a brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, that basically runs true. And that's, yeah, but... Yeah, but you should but, go for the right-wing thing because there aren't... You know, they're trying to get more right-wing. But if you're right-wing, so, yeah. just I'm, push that a bit further... Start yeah. being a bit more racist. <laughs> You're pretty racist as it is. No, but I mean, this is what I'm saying, you know. I mean, the last general election showed that the left wing is perfectly capable of being racist too. So it's not like we're picking between racist and yeah. not racist. It's different. What flavor of racism are you willing to tolerate? <laughs> um, and yeah, so... Uh, but also, I, it's, I think in stand-up, you should do something that's surprising. Yeah. And interesting. And it's not interesting to go up and say easy left-wing things and get easy applauses, and I've never been interested in that. I don't like applauses. <laughs> <laughs> As much of my stand-up career will testify to. <laughs> Good. Well, and there's a... There's a, there's a well, there's, some, there's loads. I don't want to give away all the, the stuff in it, but I, I, um, there's some great stuff about... Um, 
uh, male contraception. That's a very, a oh, very yeah. you can listen to some of this on a there's a podcast and you do do a podcast uh, called uh, Bud Pod. Bud Pod, yeah, with, with your buddy Pierre, my, my bud, Pierre, Pierre, Pierre Belli. Um, it's just two blokes talking a load of shit to, to know, each can other. Can you imagine? I can't so imagine that. A format, is I that? can't imagine that. Work. <laughs> I can't imagine it work. No, it's like they haven't even prepared anything half the time. <laughs> Don't even know where they're going. It's pathetic. Uh, but you can. Some of the Netflix specials up as uh, podcasts as well. Oh if yeah. You, if yeah. you haven't got Netflix, yeah, or yeah. you can't find someone else who'll give you their password. <laughs> yeah, get it before they they have to take it off to clear some. <laughs> HD space comedy will keep on they'll keep on shifting comedy on her. As, as tastes change look at mind your language you'll be the mind your language of the <laughs> 2020s people go do you remember, can you believe in the 2020s people used to laugh at this guy he's doing a Japanese accent in that bit look at that can you believe that was allowed yeah I mean that's one way to cement your legacy just to be um, morally reprehensible <laughs> yeah. to the next generation, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we are comedians. We should be morally reprehensible. Um, the book, Size Splitter, is, is, is brilliant. So Thanks, do, do get the audio. As always, I recommend the audio books because you get the comedian reading it. And especially with comedians' books, I find it's, it's, it's really great to get all the nuances of the comedy within it. That's the thing, isn't it? Because it's yeah. very hard to write delivery in a book. Yeah. And you realise when you write your first book as a comedian, a lot of... A lot of how I've been getting on with this has been shtick <laughs> and, and timing. And, to, and now I have to trust the reader to have good timing. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been a yeah, it's fun to write. Well, that's when things are written down. That's what you find. You find that with social media as well. People go, oh, that's, you've been annoyed about that. Go, no, you're reading that in the wrong tone of voice. Yeah. Oh, hit a nerve. No, no, you haven't. <laughs> No. Also, you've noticed like uh, twi- like tweets, joke tweets that do very well on Twitter never do well on stage. Right. And jokes that do well on stage never do well on, on Twitter. Yeah. I think I find because it, it's like a different thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It is. What a and what a what a point to end the. <laughs> what a worthless anorak point. <laughs> uh, do watch Philly Philly Wang Wang. Hardly anything about Philly Philly Wang Wang or Chitty Chitty Bang Wang and the whole thing. Very disappointed. No, Chitty Chitty has never been part of it. I, I never even, it never even came to my mind that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang had anything to do with my name. Someone once said, oh, I like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I went, oh, yeah, I guess it is. But it's just my name in a weird way. Okay. Just keep on hammering that name. Just get people to remember it. Yeah. People remember it. It's okay. Thanks, man. It's going pretty well. You've got new sheets. New cheeks? Sheets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do have new sheets. Have you got new cheeks as well? You are sitting down. Maybe there's some work. It's been some work in that. It's been absolutely lovely uh, to have you on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Philly, Philly, Wang, Wang. Thank you. Thank you very much. Come and see us next week. There's still some tickets. Goodbye, my fine friend. You have been listening to Rahulastapa with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Phil Wang. Uh, the music is by Scad Brigard. Thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, and everyone at Go Faster Strike and all the people who know me. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for all their hard work on this show. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz, GoFasterStrike.com production. 
why not go to gofasterstripe.com and see what they have on offer. It's a fantastic place with some lovely, lovely things for you to listen to and look at. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.